Hello and welcome to the Am I Crazy podcast. It's a podcast about being young and unstable and about our particular brands of dysfunction. I am L. I'm E. I'm D. And today we're all here after a bit of a long break. We had graduation and finals and all that life throws at you when they decide you're not a child anymore. Um, so today we're talking about pivotal moments in our life, um, whether you want to call them traumas or big life events um, and how they shape our personalities. Uh, Dee and I do spend a lot of time sort of processing graduation because that was the biggest and most final thing that's happened to us recently. It was a nice little bookend to... uh, Figuring our shit out. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) And you all should stay tuned in as we follow the successes of E and D as they go out and conquer the world. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Um, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram, the at Am I Crazy Pod. We like reading your messages. Email us. What at Am I Crazy Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Oh, and also because we're on iTunes now. We are. Because Elle got us on iTunes. If you guys are listening on iTunes, please leave us a review and subscribe. Thank you. Five stars if you don't mind. That'd be yes. great. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Keep Thanks listening. so much. Today we're talking about major life events that have changed us and left their imprint on who we are as a person. Um, this could be, I know that um, E and D have just been through graduation, which is an enormous life change. Um, woot woot. <laughs> there are <laughs> There are different levels for this. It could be a move for me personally. In my story, I had a big country move where I left the place where I grew up and came to a different country. Um, there are emotional things. I can pinpoint one that is undoubtedly the biggest life-changing event of my life. That is absolutely nothing concrete or physical about it. It was just an emotional one. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. How big life events leave their fingerprints on who we are, change our outlook, change our view of the world and how we behave. So let's kick it off by starting about uh, talking about graduation. Yeah. I I feel like, so, we we took a little bit of a break, but it's because all of us, we had two of us at graduation, and there are jobs, and people are trying to move out, but I think I'm still sort of trying to, like, not process graduation day and, like, you know, the big KU ceremony, but mostly that now I um, have no frame of reference for, like, what's gonna happen to me, because I feel like I've changed a bunch over the last couple of months as I've sort of come to the realization, like, wow, okay, so I've been in school for, like, what, 17 years, Mm -hmm. and now I'm not in school anymore, and I'm, like, you know, also thinking about making a cross-country move, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, I think I'm having, like, I'm also not working, which I told you guys right now, and I've never, like, not worked, so I feel like I'm doing a lot of, like, sitting around and feeling sort of confused, because I feel like I'm not, don't recognize myself, because I feel like that sounds bad like that's a negative has a negative connotation but more like I've never really been in this place in my life before and I'm confused on what my actions are supposed to be or Mm -hmm. how I'm supposed to react my friend Katie puts it pretty well she just is she says we're fluidly existing now yeah yeah it's just weird we're just totally untethered 
Um, we don't have an affiliation really to a school or an establishment anymore. I don't have someone telling me what to do, yeah. which, like, I feel like, I mean, I had pretty much most of my senior year of college, I had a plan for what I was going to do after college. And so I had, like, what in my head was going to be my first year after college, and I thought I was going to live in Kansas City, and I thought I was going to have a job at, like, these specific places I had been looking. And when, like, that entire plan changed a couple of months ago, I was like, well, everyone was like, well, you know what? Now, like, you can do whatever you want. Like, you, you could go anywhere if you wanted. You could move anywhere in the country. And I'm like, yeah, but all that freedom is, like, almost feels crushing mm-hmm. because I've never had that much before. It's option fatigue. Yeah, literally option fatigue. That's a great way to put it. It's like, I'll, I'll be like, okay, today I'm going to do this, this, and that. And then all of a sudden it's four. And I'm like, mm, okay. So I went downstairs to eat, and that's all I did today. Mm-hmm. It's like time goes so quickly when you have nothing to do yeah and it's like you want to post-graduation it's like you have all these plans in your head like all through senior year people are asking you what are you gonna be doing after graduation and you tell them what you have planned but when you actually get to this point it's almost like you don't want to act on those plans because it's better to just have them in this like ethereal like Mm -hmm. far off place not actually committing to them not Mm -hmm. actually committing to them and because if you never pursue them and execute them then you can never fail at them so if you keep them in that place of just thought and limbo it's it's a pleasant thought to have of that of your trajectory but if you actually go through and execute them then you increase the risk of actually failing in real life and that's scary but it's scary to also just sit and do nothing and to me, hearing you guys talk, um, there's the feeling of you've always had, be it from your family, be it from elementary, then middle, then high school, then college, you've always had a structure of mm-hmm. goals that you mm-hmm. met. And once you met them, you felt like you made progress and that you were a better human being after you finished that semester with A's or whatever. And so there was this very set structure. This is what success looks like. It's very clearly defined. It's, there's no question about it and then now you're coming out into this world where nothing is clearly defined for you anymore mm-hmm. you, all of the choices that you make about who you're going to become are absolutely up to you there's no mm-hmm. teacher there's no parent there's no there's nothing you there's no academic way to excel at this like there's no you can't even measure it probably for the next 10 years you won't even be able to know if you're doing great or if you're doing okay because mm-hmm. it just life is messy and there's no real structure for you to ace. There isn't. You can't win at it because it's it's so messy, you mm-hmm. know. I feel like I've also like so my whole I was I've been super academic my whole life like school even though I've worked since I like could work. Um I was always like, yes, I work or I have jobs, but I'm always a student first. Like I was, mm-hmm. you know, I've been a student and grades are really important to me and like I am reeling now because graduate graduating college at one point in college I thought I was going to drop out and so I never really thought I would ever actually graduate but like my whole academic career was like in middle school you took hard classes and you worked hard so you could take the AP science cl- or the AP classes in high school and in high school I took AP so that I could like get rid of my college credits oop I'm going to sneeze <laughs> bless you <laughs> oh damn those are you know midwest allergies um thank you <laughs> that's true but it was like in high school I took hard classes so I could take like I could get college credit out of the way and it would make my transcript look better to go to college and then I got to college and I took hard like heavy hour or heavy credit hour semesters so that it would mean the end of my college was easy and now like college is over and it almost feels like the most and not anticlimactic but like 
the most anticlimactic thing I've ever achieved because it just suddenly was, everyone's like, congrats, you did it. Mm -hmm. It's over now. It's Mm -hmm. all done. Mm -hmm. And you're like, fuck. Now what? Yeah, now what? Like, what do I do now? Like, everyone congratulated me on graduating college, and I'm very grateful to have gone to college, but at the same time, graduation just felt like a formality. At this point in my life, I don't necessarily feel different. I don't feel as though I accomplished anything. I just confused. Yeah, I just feel as though I've just been on kind of a treadmill or like a conveyor belt going toward this point and I'm still just on it Mm -hmm. it was just like a little bump like whoop graduation and then it just kept going I think sorry Elle we're talking a lot about like being done with college and I know you still have more school well I mean yes but also I've kind of done that yeah in various points of my life like I fin I I did four years of bible school and Mm -hmm. I had to finish that and come up from it and be like okay what do I do now you know, yeah. and then that led me to do it. So it's it's a, it's a different experience for me. Being in college for me isn't <clears throat> a life milestone. It's just something mm-hmm. I chose very deliberately to do, mm-hmm. you know. I also, like, I feel like everyone else's lives are starting without me. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that is, and we're talking about events that have, like, really changed us or maybe I'm interpreting it as impacted us, but... I feel like graduation is, like, a milestone that you hit, but I feel like I, like, sort of stumbled and reached the finish line, and everyone else is still walking ahead. And, like, so it's, what are we, two weeks after, almost two weeks after graduation, a week and a half, I think. Yeah, a week and a half. What am I doing? But it's, like, a week and a half after graduation, and, like, some people I know have already moved to their new jobs, are having the first day of their new jobs, and I am, like, paralyzed by even, like, redoing my resume to try to get back out and apply to more of them. And I feel like everyone else is starting without me, which is, like, s- super common because I feel like I've talked to three different people who are a couple more years out of college than I am who are like, oh, yeah, I felt that way. But, like, it'll, they're like, it'll even out and you'll be fine. Like, you're going to find something. And I'm like, I know it just doesn't feel that way right now. Mm-hmm. It feels like I want to start my life, but everyone else figured out how and I haven't figured out that secret yet. Mm-hmm. I know, I can relate to that. I, like. I almost just want to stay in this. I just want one more summer where I can be 10 and go to the pool all day and then go home at 6 p.m. and the ice cream truck can drive down our street and we can all run and get ice cream or something. Get a Choco Taco? No. Tweety (laughs) Bird. Tweety Bird. You you don't like Choco Tacos? Mm Mm-mm. I don't know what you guys are talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... Okay, I to me, a Choco Taco is a quintessential American ice cream truck favorite. No, it's Tweety Bird, Spongebob, or the Powerpuff Girls with the gumball eyes. I'm like... Otherwise, you're wrong. I'm, I'm so shook cartoons. right now. Yeah, but yeah. they're ice cream. Yeah. You know <laughs> like what American ice cream trucks are, right? Like, there's like a jingle that comes down your street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have the 99 Flake? What? No, that I had never seen a flake before. Before really? I had that, uh, before I worked at that magazine in Ireland. Yeah, and I was like, oh, why don't we have this? That's shit what in America? I grew up with. Yeah, but a choco taco is like it's like a waffle cone taco with ice cream and chocolate, and it's kind of chewy. It has nuts on it. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's delicious. <gasps> anyway, big summer mood. <laughs> anyway, so let me ask you guys this: When you think about your life going ahead, going forward, when you think about the world that you've now been thrust into like it or not what are your thoughts do you look at it and have a feeling of excitement do you look at it and have a feeling of dread do you look at it and have a feeling of confusion um Mm -hmm. what what's your feeling about 
the bigger world outside of university now? Um, I think I feel both like sort of an apprehensive excitement because I am really excited, but I also am, I'm dreading it because I'm dreading the beginning part where I'm sort of like aimlessly, blindly walking around like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. But overall, I think I'm excited because I think about, you know, no offense, but I think about if I had to stay and go to another year of school that I could not fucking do it. Like I'm, I am a hundred percent burnt out. It really does mow you down, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even thinking about needing to be in that environment again, sounds just like so exhausting to me. So that excites me to like, finally feel like I know where I want to go in my twenties and stuff, but I just don't know that yet. But I think it's, it's sort of exciting to do something where I have no idea what's going on because I'm, you know, I told you guys I'm thinking about making a a cross country move in the next couple of months. And that will mean I'll move somewhere where people don't know me. And the last time I got to go somewhere where people didn't know me, like last summer, it was really transformative. And I felt like I got to reinvent myself, which gave me Mm -hmm. a new way to sort of figure out who I am and what I like and how I want people to treat me. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel the same sense of excitement. I've, always found myself pretty decent with transitions I think I kind of accept Mm. that's hard for me to say because I am a control freak but every time I have a transition I find myself okay with it and just accepting of the fact that things are changing and this is how it is and I find myself reminiscing on the past and almost mourning for things that I've lost that I've had like the friendships that I've made Mm -hmm. um in college and whatnot but I feel a sense of excitement and um, just an acceptance that things are going to change. A lot's going to change. Yeah. Like, I'm leaving my family behind. I'm planning on moving to New York in August, hopefully. Um, I still don't know what my full-time job is going to be. I have a part-time job, but not What's a full-time your part-time job? One. Is it in service or is it in... No, it's in media. It's in journalism. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, so, I don't know. I feel a sense of excitement, but when we talk about these pivotal moments... I look back on my life and there are certain pivotal moments, but at the same time, it feels much more gradual than complete bookmarks, I'd say. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of them, but I I can, this past year I've changed so much and especially since studying abroad as well. So I think that entire six months that I studied abroad could also be considered a pivotal moment. Yeah. So what was that like for you guys? Because I'm coming from sort of a different perspective in that I've like, that has been my perpetual mode of existence is Mm -hmm. like I'm in a foreign country this is like always been that for me you know but like for you guys what's it like to leave the country that you grew up your whole life in and but we got to come like you didn't go back so I'm curious for you because for us we were there for a couple of months and we knew we were going to go back to what we considered home right but for you what was that like and did that change your perception of what home is in a sense or well it's like you said I mean gradually it does change it um but the whole the whole process of you and I know I know that you guys are going to go through this with your move to to LA you can say it yeah (laughs) sorry hey okay I'm thinking about moving to LA I'm thinking about moving to California um and your move to New York I know that you guys are going to feel this it's just a sense of you, your reality just changes. You look out your window and it's something different. The people act differently. You don't know mm-hmm. how to act around them. And it's... And so it's not so much, like, analyzing that and seeing how that worked, but it's just... 
it's kind of like a punch in the gut. It's mm -hmm. like the whole thing is just um, sort of like a force field that you walk through and it rattles everything that you are and then you slowly have to build yourself back up again. At least that's what it's like for me. You guys seem to be better with transitions than I am. Um, but for me, it was like literally waking up in a different planet and feeling like I had no sense of reality anymore, which is extreme and intense, but that's just the kind of person I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like you, your, your whole reality changes and you have to adapt to it. And culture-wise, moving to a different country is different because you your values change, right? Mm -hmm. You have to conform your values to the place where you are or you're just going to be a weird outcast mm -hmm. that doesn't function properly in the circles that you're trying to function. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then... Fast forward two years later, my parents move here and they start saying that I'm too American and all that. So you're going to go through that. Like, that's just a part of the process. But that feeling, that experience, the, the stress, the, the not knowing, the not knowing how the transport system works, the not knowing how... Well, I didn't know how to drive when I moved here. Like, just that not knowing and just feeling like you're out in the wilderness to fend for yourself, I think is a is a personality changing event mm -hmm. and you either adapt or you crumble, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, I know it's super cliche to talk about that you had the like privilege to study abroad or intern abroad and how it changed your perspective, um, which is like a super cliche thing, but I think is very true because that's the whole point of having the experience to study or work in a different country is that it's, you need a change of perspective. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I actually normally am really bad at life transitions because um, I have a very hard time um, not, like, staying grounded in reality because I don't suffer from psychosis or anything like that. But when my entire routine changes, I find it extremely hard to cope with my new one. Mm -hmm. It takes me a long time to sort of, like, yeah. get used to it. And I know I'm, like, really down in that right now because I'm doing a lot of my quintessential behaviors where I'm having a hard time coping with my new like life change sort of um and that tends to be when like body repetitive behaviors come out of me like picking my arms a lot um or other things like that but when I went to Ireland I was like I didn't study abroad because I worked at a magazine there and when I I was like super excited the whole year or the months leading up to it thinking how excited I was that I like had this amazing opportunity to work at an Irish magazine and um then right before I went I was like petrified but when I got there I felt almost like different than the other Americans that I was that I had like become friends with or the other people I was working with because I was like 100% not homesick even in the slightest mm -hmm. I was like I don't want to come home because people here people there didn't know me so it gave me the opportunity to like that's when I first like I was sort of like out to some friends before I went to Ireland, but when I went to Ireland, I was like, wow, nobody knows me here, so I don't have to change their view of me anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to like tell them stuff about myself that maybe I don't tell other people. And so like being able to sort of live that experience with like new friends and a life where I went to work every day, I figured out the transportation system. I like felt like I had a nine to five job in a foreign country. It was like amazing and I loved every single second of it and I loved the person that I was over there and when I came back to finish my last year at school that's when I felt super super horrible mm -hmm. I was like now that I'm back here I feel like I can't be the like super super free almost like 
unabashed version of my version of myself that I had been the last couple of months because I was like, ah, now I'm back to seeing people that who do know me or have seen me already pass through big life things and I'm getting scared of that. And I have school to finish, which I had a weird, complicated relationship with school, especially this last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You like feel like you almost have to fill a narrative. Yeah, it was like in Ireland I got to, I felt like I was this cool like magazine girl who went on hikes and like was super open about her sexuality and I wasn't in school and like yeah and that is a super interesting aspect of it all to me as well that so much of our identity and our personality is predicated on the narrative of ourselves that we have right Mm -hmm. yeah and when you put yourself in a different environment you can change that narrative pretty easily Mm -hmm. but when you're in the same environment you it's it's much harder to change but even that it makes you think about who, what part of you is really you and what part of you is a story that you've been telling mm-hmm. yourself for your entire life. Yeah, because, like, a lot of it was, like, when I when I went over there and I just sort of, like, decided in my head, well, I don't know anyone here and no one knows me, so I'm just going to try and do whatever. And it, when I came back, it ended up being, like, <sighs> I don't actually like some of these people that I spend a lot of time around. I feel like they don't respect me, almost, I think that kind of sucks. It kind of sucks to come to a realization that something that's you thought was like safe and constant and reliable, you know, maybe isn't really as reliable as you thought it was. Mm-hmm. Like when I came back, I think I was depressed in a sense, but I didn't think I was depressed. I just thought I had changed a lot and I did change a lot. I was in Barcelona and I have one asterisk to add to my transition thing. When you're talking about the skin picking thing, mm-hmm. for me... I always, I always just have to find something that, like, I, I want to control in any sense. And so while I was abroad, it killed me that I couldn't work out because that was my sense of routine. Just in mm-hmm. any way, I couldn't work out um, regularly. And so that made me feel stress, which is something I regret feeling stress about because I was in such an amazing place. But um, I think being abroad really helped me get through the tail end of my eating disorder in terms of the actions that I had mm-hmm. because I didn't really have a choice and I there was no way in hell I was going to say no to eating the food that was presented to me while I was in Europe like of mm-hmm. course I'm going to eat everything um and so I think that was something good for me I had to learn how to relinquish control of certain things um and my values changed a lot because when I came back I felt very confused I was around my best best friends but I didn't know how to be and I didn't know how to act and the way they were acting didn't match with the way I had been acting for the past five or six months. And so I, that transitional time I would say was pretty hard because at times I felt like I had to fake be me. I had to be the person that I was before I left the country Mm -hmm. and that made me feel very weird and it was just a cognitive dissonance that I couldn't quite grasp. And now I feel totally normal again and like myself a different version of myself, but it was weird stepping into this narrative that I had left behind. I felt like a snake that had shed its skin and I had to go back and try and slither back into it. The skin's like cracking off. Yeah, it just didn't quite fit. Yeah. Um, But that was, I think, everything. The six months that I spent away from the U.S. Like you said, it makes you question who you really are because you, we read this thing in one of my Peace and Conflict Studies senior capstone, who we are is simply a reflection of the way other people see us and mm-hmm. when you're around different people they see you differently and it makes you question who you are and I had that weird sense and phenomenon when I first started dating my boyfriend 
when we were alone together, I was kind of questioning who I was around him. Like, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like I felt yeah. like I wasn't being myself, but I, I was like, is this a different version of me that I haven't seen before? Or mm-hmm. It was just so, so weird. It mm-hmm. felt like I was in this orb, this little capsule of just, it was like a snow globe of just me and him. And in my head, I was like, is this what I'm really like? Yeah, and that's something interesting, too. At the beginning of relationships, you have certain choices you can make, right? That mm-hmm. is going to set a precedent. Yeah, exactly. And so depending on what type of girlfriend you want to be or what type of partner you want to be or are you going to be the really sweet one or are you going to be the feisty one? Like all that stuff, it feels like you have a choice for that like split second. And then once you set the precedent, you set the precedent. But it, it feels like, it's like when you go to a new country. Like yeah. it feels like for a split second, you can absolutely change everything about who you are and set a different precedent from what you have before. So let's say like almost like hand you out, like here's a list of characters, which one you want yeah. to test out yeah. right now. I was just thinking it's like writing a novel and you yeah. Like picking different attributes, like how do I want to act now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I feel like before I started to feel more confident in my own sense of self, I think I I used to borrow pieces of other people's, Mm -hmm. like what I could tell made them feel more like themselves or more confident. And I was like, well, let me just see if I like that. Let me see if I like this part of you and I'll try it on. Or Mm -hmm. like I think about that in terms of like my style choices before I got confident in wearing what I like to wear is that I was like, well, that person looks confident, so maybe if I put it on, I can emulate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's such a part of our 20s, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It's just... What, what was that thing I heard once? That your 20s... Or a big is, giant shit show and everything's on fire? Absolutely. <laughs> but it's about figuring out who you are not. Ooh. And then Ooh. your 30s is about figuring out who you are. Ooh. Which like, resonates with my 20s for sure. I um, like that a lot. I, every time my friends come to me and they're like oh I fucked up I made a mistake we always kind of talk through it and we say thanks um we talk through it and we kind of make a pro cons list and I'm like okay you did that but now you know what you don't like you know what you don't want out of life you know what you don't want to do you know what's not part of who you are now because of that little mistake that you made and I think that's one thing I wish I would have made I wish I would have made more mistakes in college I made plenty mm. while I was abroad and in the past year, but I wish I would have made more mistakes at the beginning. I kind of flip-flopped with my friends. My friends all kind of fucked up at the beginning of college, and then I just fucked up toward towards the, the end. Towards the end. my life. Um, so that's well, something I was going to ask you guys. Like, what do you wish you had said to yourselves when you started college? Oh, fuck. I would have told myself, don't be so uptight. That's exactly really? what I would have told myself yeah. like, back when I was 18. Like, I Oops. came to college, no, and I, 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 I don't know, I didn't want to mess up. I wanted to maintain this perfect facade, but also of wanted to be authentic with people. Which is stemmed in fear, right? Because mm-hmm. you're so afraid. Mm-hmm. And the moment you realize that everything that can happen to you isn't really that bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nothing tragic is going to happen to you. Just relax. Yeah, like, chill out, dude. Just experience more life. I think I probably would have told myself to, like, stop trying to view everything as so calculated. I think, like, especially when I was younger, not that I, I feel, you know, everybody wants to be liked by people, but I think especially when I think about, like, my freshman year of college when I was, like, scared, new school, young, and I was doing a lot of internet stuff at the time, that I wanted to make sure that, like, I, I was 
liked by people who I liked that I was mm-hmm. like sort of afraid to get really close to friends because I would be afraid that they weren't going to like me back which in head made me or instead made me sort of change some of my own behaviors to ensure that I could have a group of friends mm-hmm. and it's you know looking back on that if I hadn't acted that way maybe I would have found like closer and more important friendships early on in school if I had maybe sort of listened to myself more I think a lot of the times even even recently like where I listen to, I consciously realize what I'm doing is, like, wrong or not so good for me. And I'm just like, yeah, shut up. It's fine. <laughs> shut up, voice. Like, <laughs> it's cool. I mean, I think about that in terms of, like, I just said right now I'm having a hard time sort of dealing with my, like, n- no routine. And I suck at not having routines, which means that I'm doing a lot of, you guys, you guys know I love waking up early. I feel like I tell everyone that, that I love to be awake early. But now I'm, like, going to bed kind of late, but still getting up early and then just, like, sitting in my room and smoking weed all day, which is so not a good thing <laughs> to do when you have shit to do and you need to be productive. And I'm just like, well, looks like I have what I'm going to do all day. feel like a piece of shit in my room. <laughs> what would you have told yourself when you were our age? 21, 22. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, I would have told myself, honestly, and this is going to sound so cliche, but I would have told myself that, damn it, you're fine and people like you, you know? I was just always so self-consumed with how much I was the odd one out and ostracized and that no one understood me and that I could never could never make meaningful relationships because I'm just so odd and weird and and that is just objectively ridiculous mm-hmm. because I'm not like out there walking around with like a rat on my head and doing insane <laughs> things. I'm a normal human being. Normal human beings make friends with normal human beings it's like just just relax you know Mm -hmm. and I always just had such an insane fear of people and Mm -hmm. and letting them know who I was and and it's just like just it's okay people are gonna like you and people are gonna not like you and that's okay too Mm -hmm. But, but you know don't be afraid that everybody's going to look at you like you're some alien from a different world. I think that's what I would have said. I don't know if that applies to you guys. I no. had low self-esteem. <laughs> I think it applies to me. I feel like I keep, I'm doing a lot of worrying of like, like even like menial stuff, like feeling people are going to get mad at me for doing something small when it's like people are not thinking of you doing that. People don't Mm-mm. care about you right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like sometimes you feel like your self-esteem is so shitty that you become almost like a conceited about it like you feel like everyone is paying attention to what you think is negative about you but like no one's fucking paying attention it's like uh c.s lewis said that humility isn't thinking about yourself or thinking less of yourself it's about thinking about yourself i'm botching this (laughs) c.s lewis said humility is about thinking of yourself less so less often rather than thinking less of yourself Mm. so it's it's about just letting go of this self-consumed, like, preoccupation with who you are and just look at other people, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I have a question for you now. Is like, I think I also felt this way every time a year... So I'm I'm interested to see if this is different for you because I felt like every time a year of school ended, I had this, like, sort of slim opportunity to decide if I wanted to reinvent myself and, like, sort of try to reckon with how things are going to be different. Are Mm -hmm. you, like, kind of nervous for how things are going to be different in this next year of school or no? 
Um, I think for me at this point, because I've literally been in school my entire 20s. Um, yeah. It's, it's not more the academic year. It's more sort of like every new academic year, I have to be more career focused, more hardworking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. less tolerant of my bullshit. Like just, it's sort of like another step. And the closer I get to graduation, it's like I have to have this stuff sorted out. It just, it, like I'm, but that's a feeling that you get. Like I'm past, you know, I'm 26, I'm in my late 20s, which is this crazy feeling which I'm obviously not ancient but you know you have this feeling that you're just so far behind everyone you just have to catch up so that's what I feel but the the feeling of reinventing yourself oh my gosh are you kidding me I've been through that so much mm-hmm. um it's always I think I used to feel it a lot on my birthday so I had this habit of mm. on my birthday you know journaling and writing about my past year and what I was and then writing goals for the next year and who I wanted to be. So that was a that was a thing I did all the time until I stopped because I never met my goals. <laughs> but um and every birthday I would reflect and I'd construct this new me in my head mm-hmm. that I was going to be for the next year. And obviously it doesn't ever really work, but I think that the more that you experiment with different identities and different values and things the more interesting of a person you become because you keep some things from it right Mm -hmm. and then you move on to the next and then you keep some things from that um like I like I wrote that in that one column about the cool girl thing where um I would want to be this super cool hip guys girl right and then girl yeah and then tried it out and it didn't really work and so now I'm trying to be, you know, well, not now, now, but, like, then I tried to be this person that was always around women, and and then the next year I tried to be this real grown-up who could, like, stay in conversation with 35-year-olds with kids all the time, and then you try that out, and you get a little bit from each identity that you try on, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, never mind the fashion phases you go through. had a super emo phase. Oh, didn't... Wait... Do you don't strike me as the kind of person who ever had an emo phase. Did you ever have a real emo phase? No, not a real emo phase. Yeah. I had an internal emo phase, but not external Mm-mm. emo phase. No. We, o- we only stand external emo phases. I had house. a stud belt. Uh, girl, I wore fucking suspenders, like, <laughs> most days. In, like, the eighth grade, I had this pair of suspenders. Wait, maybe it was the seventh. But my favorite outfit would to wear, wear these black and white check suspenders with a Hey Monday black band t-shirt. These pair of high top converse i had that were scribbled on with different lyrics you know you cover the whole shoe in lyrics with like these neon teal skinny jeans and i like parted my bangs over one eye and i put a bobby pin over the bang Mm -hmm. so it would like cover one eye um and i wasn't allowed to wear a lot of makeup but i did wear one line of brown on the bottom (laughs) waterline of my eyes with a purple beanie that was like had a fake lip ring at one point. Remember when I thought we all I was used hard. to put eyeliner on the waterline of our yeah. eyes? Yes. Or, like, sometimes it's not oh even on the waterline. It's, like, under the lash line. And you're well, like, I wish I did that. I didn't. I actually oh. put it on the waterline. I put it on my waterline, oh, too. I can't. I, I look so bad with waterline yeah, eyeliner. We I hardly did. wear eyeliner now, but I, like, even, like, waterline eyeliner... I think on some people it can make their eyes look striking, but most people it make you, makes you look like you have, like, beady eyes. Yeah, yeah tiny eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh. Um, right. So one thing that I was thinking about um, 
is the phase, the growing up phase. You know how everyone says that millennials grow up way later than the previous generations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the trauma of you leaving your parents' worldview and entering into your own worldview um, and everything that goes along with it, um, for me, I that was a very difficult phase of my life because I had parents with very, very, very strong and specific worldviews mm-hmm. that when I left the bubble they had so delicately and carefully and lovingly constructed for me, I realized that the things that they said about the world weren't true. And yeah. mostly it's it's people. It's the people that they said the, that would behave a certain way or treat you a certain way didn't behave or treat you that way. And so you start to see the ugliness in the world and you start to see... Um, the pain, the pain of, of growing up, the pain of being alive. And that's another thing too, that, um, my aunt has always said to me, she's a psychologist. She's like, growing up is pain. There Mm -hmm. is no avoiding it. You Mm -hmm. can't grow if you don't have pain. And so the pain of you is going from, you know, it happens, I think for different people in different phases, I had a really late awakening to that. Mine was when I was 20, which is late. Um, but you know, I moved country and all that stuff. And you start to realize that the world is not as you thought it was, which means that your idea of the world gets deconstructed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which means that then you have to build it up again from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in the phase when I'm, where I'm trying to build it up and not be this cynical, depressed person because the world is shit. Um, but so I wanted to ask you guys if you had that experience because that is such a marked experience in my life where I had to shift from one worldview to the other and it feels like your entire world breaks and you just do not know what's real or true or good anymore and you just have to slowly figure it out and build it up again. Did you guys have that experience? Um. Yeah, I would say yes. I think about, like, I know you were saying you were, like, 20 and that's kind of old. Yeah. And while in high school... um. I know on our, you know, dark episode three, we talked about (laughs) some shitty stuff. And in high school, uh, I felt like I had to rebuild my entire self after I had a really um, dark couple of months that extended (laughs) to a year. Um, Like, Scott and I have been together a long time. Um, Scott and I have actually been together pretty much, I met him when I was 18 and I'm 22 now, but we did break up. And um, he, when he moved to Prague, after he graduated college and went through the same thing I'm going through right now, being confused as fuck and having no idea what to do. Um, and Scott moved to Prague and we decided to break up and, um, I did not think it would hit me like it hit me. And Mm -hmm. it felt like I, um, couldn't breathe or walk or eat or think about the world existing in that way. And, um, that my junior year of college, I am considered to be the best and worst years of college for me because, a lot of it was really super fucking hard and felt like I had to teach myself how to, like, be alive and how to, like, uh, love my own company mm. because I didn't do a lot of time. Of, I didn't do a lot of spending time alone um, before I was, like, 20. And um, after Scott moved, it was really horrible and I was really super ultra-depressed and um, I, like... It gave me the opportunity to discover parts of myself that I don't know if I ever would have. And, um, 
you know, I like love him more than anything, but I don't think if we hadn't broken up, I don't know if we would be together. Um, because that year or all those months that we were, you know, in, still speaking and in contact, I did like a ton of stuff to pay attention to myself. And that's how I loved, or I learned that I love going to breakfast by myself. It's like one of my favorite things to do. And I, I think I generally learned how to do things alone. Um, I get kind of sad when people tell me, or people, especially women my age, who are, like, petrified of, like, going shopping alone or going out to eat alone or just generally, like, doing shit by yourself. And that became, like, my saving grace almost was deciding, or not deciding, but learning how to have fun being by myself. And, you know, that was also the time where I felt like I could truly analyze some, like, confusing thoughts I'd had about my sexuality for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, um... But about the whole world thing, like, it got deconstructed and I needed to rebuild it. Yeah. I feel that. I yeah. understand that. I feel like it's a crushing. It's, it feels soul-crushing. Like, you can't look at, at anything because nothing feels like it's true anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, I think I had two, two times in my life that I had to kind of reconstruct both myself and my world. The first was my sophomore year of high school or maybe my junior year. I think it was October of my junior year of high school. Um, this one girl who was supposedly my best friend, um, we'd been, I'd been very rocky with this friend group in the first place. Um, and I'm still friends with them now, but at the time, this is something I haven't really told many people, but, um, they were at my house before we were all cheerleaders together in high school. Um, or my mom had an iPad we were playing on and then we went to the game that we had to cheer at and I came home and I got back on the iPad and this girl's Facebook was up and... I don't know why her messages were up, but Lily was up and it was my name in the messages. And I was like, what? And I shouldn't have scrolled, but I did. And it was probably the meanest things I could ever read about a person were written about me. It was talking about how I looked really fat in my Halloween costume, how they thought my car was a piece of shit. Um, They made fun of the fact that my family was from Syria and I wore an I Heart Syria bracelet and said I should go back there. And this was Holy crap. this was a conversation between her and the girl that was actually my best friend, one girl that I considered my true best friend at the time. And so, it was so soul crushing that I was I wasn't even angry. I was I just I looked at it and I was like, wow, okay. And I immediately felt a sense of freedom. My whole world was deconstructed in that moment. I was like, these girls are not my friends. And not only that, but the way they are is not the way that I want to be. I don't. My whole life, I'd struggled with this kind of the same thing that you said you fe- I just felt a little bit different than everybody around me I felt not ostracized by any means but I felt like my views didn't align with their views and the way that I grew up obviously didn't align with the way they grew up and in that moment I realized it was okay for me to be different because I didn't want to be anything like these people at all mm-hmm. and so I, I came to the terms with the fact that for the next few months I probably won't have any friends but that's okay. And for me, I learned how to be alone. And I took mm-hmm. up sketching. I love drawing, painting, writing, reading. I read so much. And in that time, I made new friends. And I figured out that I had the ability to make new friends. And I f- just figured out a lot about myself and about the world around me. And in that moment, I realized it was definitely not only okay to be different, but better to be different because I didn't want to be like those people. So why would I even think about living my life like them? And I just, I felt a sense of freedom of just not having to um, live that narrative anymore. And the second came, I think, this year, my senior year of college. I always just felt a little bit uptight in the sense of the way my parents raised me. They raised me with very certain morals Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just 
everything, like experiencing things like drinking, um, like smoking, like boys, sex, and things like school, um, work, drive, everything. My parents were very deliberate in the way that they raised me. And so it was very hard for me all of college. I felt like I was kind of shedding another like layer of skin, trying to figure out what I wanted, not what my parents had told me that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like finally this year I've established what I want. And I feel very free at the moment um, just because of that. And I just I think that might be a thing that comes when you're in your 20s. Like I'm 22 now and I finally have figured out what I want out of life. And that'll keep changing. But now I know there are things that I actually want because I've been able to make mistakes. Mm hmm rather than things that my parents have told me that I should want and ways that I should act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I remember being a shock to me was um, I was dating this guy and I went back to London and he completely ghosted me. This was the first time I had ever been really involved with anyone and it's just almost comical how my upbringing set me up for that to be an absolutely soul-shattering event, even though for anyone else it would be perfectly normal. Because the way I was raised was my parents kept telling me that I was... And I'm not here complaining that my parents were too nice to me, but like they would always say, you know, you're a beautiful princess and you're going to have this fairy tale life with this you're going to one day meet your husband who's going to treat you like a queen and all this stuff and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before but like the assumption that because I had good morals good behavior and because I was weirdly my parents daughter I don't know it was a weird thing that my life would turn out really well in the romantic department and mm -hmm. to figure out that that's not how life works was really crazy. So, like, coming out of that, like, what is what are some things that you guys assumed about the world? Like, qu sort of, like, quick-fire, like, assumptions that you maybe never even knew you had, but that growing up has taught you that life is just not like that? I think friends, honestly. I, like, I think it possibly comes from, like, TV shows, but also um, my... One of my mom's, like my grandma, my mom's mom, um, has had the same group of friends since literally kindergarten. And, you know, she's like, what, 70 something? Like, wow. Um, and they, you know, go on cruises together and or have in the past and like visit each other. And they've had the same group of friends. And I think I had this idea in my head that I think I'm thinking about it about college. And not that in college you don't meet people that are life changing or who will be in your life forever. But I thought that like, when I was going to come to college, it meant I was going to find, like, the people for me. And that didn't really happen. Yeah. And I think I had a, I had some painful, like, friendship changes in college. And I think I, like, was at one point felt like, what the fuck? Like, I thought the point of college was I was going to find the people forever. And, you know, that's kind of absurd. And the idea that college is going to be the best end-all, be-all thing for me in life is petrifying. And I hope that's not true because I was just a teenager when I started. Mm -hmm. Like I have, you know, so much more life. Like that is all that it is. But um, I think about like friendships is that it's totally possible and probably will happen to find like positive and meaningful adult friendships um, after college I think because I think I was just like yeah in college like you'll find that core group of friends and all of you it'll be like six of you and you'll all do each other's birthdays and go out on the weekends and I haven't had like a core group like that really um yeah I think that was the biggest thing about 
like think is thinking I had a different idea about friendships mm-hmm. and how you have to like and how and, and the etiquette of like maintaining a friendship I think because I think it's not think I know it's it's pretty easy to let yourself slip away from I think people yeah. that you do generally care about that all of a sudden it's just like time passes by and you realize you haven't spoken in a couple months and you're like oh fuck mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah for me I'd say same as you love I've talked about this on the podcast too before but my concept of love is completely skewed and right now I'm trying to figure out what it means to love somebody but because you love somebody doesn't mean you have to love them all the time like a constant feeling mm-hmm. of like oh my god I love you I love you I love you and so, so I'm trying to figure that out um second uh I think jobs not necessarily jobs but understanding that the things I want won't always won't always come to me mm-hmm. because growing up that was something that came easily in a sense because the things I wanted were small mm-hmm. like I wanted to I don't know get into the gifted program or I wanted to make the cheerleading team or I wanted to you know be on your book and all those things and now it's the I'm wanting much bigger things and they're out of my control I can put myself out there but I can't expect the people on the other end to be on the same page as me and so that's something that I'm coming to terms with that not everything I want is going to be manifested into my life um yeah I think those are my two biggest things I think finances also oh Um, shit I mean like Mm -hmm. I also am still figuring everything out but I think um overall this is a little bit different like Rebecca but like in the United States I just don't think we we just don't tell students in high school how expensive college is going to be. We just don't oh, yeah. explain to them. Like, you don't – it's like I didn't know. Like, when I was going to school – I have two younger brothers, and I'm just, like, so fortunate enough that my parents also took on some parent loans when I took on loans. And um, I didn't go to the University of Minnesota because I knew it would be a couple – not a couple, thousands of dollars more than if I went to KU and I had younger brothers, but like, I didn't want to go to Mizzou and I like, didn't want to go to a community college. And like, you know, looking back, like now that I have my bill for how much, you know, student debt I have and the decades, it's going to take me inevitably to pay off my student debt. It's like, I sort of wish I would have known maybe that if I had not gone to KU for a year and gone to a community college, I could have saved money um and like it's just so cruel learning that five hundred dollars is like pussy change (laughs) like once you're an adult um not that it isn't because that would pay for like an entire month of rent and some of your bills and stuff but yeah finances are very hard and there is not enough financial literacy in the united states retweet i agree we should have learned that um uh, earlier you talked about an emotional pivotal change that you had and i kind of want to i'm like very interested in hearing more about that because I feel like we've talked a lot about pivotal moments that have been tangible and happened for us but I kind of want to hear about your intangible pivotal emotional change um yeah so when I was a teenager (laughs) I had a very rosy view of the world I think um I had this fundamental belief that everybody was good and like I said, that if I kept my morals up and because I was a very, very good girl, I would do well in life. I wouldn't have painful things happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
when I was, I don't know, how old was I? I think it was nine. It was right before I moved here. Have I told you guys this story about the girl who dated the guy I liked? He was also my best friend. No. Mm -mm. Well, I think you've mentioned it. I think you said once you wanted to save it for the pod. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked this guy. You guys know this for like seven years or whatever. But I was a very good girl. I never dated. Mm -hmm. um, I was very well behaved and I knew that that was expected of me. And so... We had this weird, weird codependent emotional thing going on and um, at the same time I grew to be friends with this girl. She's the first best friend I've had, the only best friend I've ever had. Um, and so what I found out one day, kind of like you scrolling through the Facebook thing, was um, I had this inkling that she was dating the guy that I liked behind my back and I, I asked her point black many times she said no so <laughs> I took her phone and hid in the bathroom and <laughs> I big teenager mood oh yeah and I looked through her text messages and of course she was and um then later all this stuff came out about things she used to say about me to all of our mutual friends and all this stuff so I guess it kind of was an event but but I say that it's emotionally significant because when you look at that event it's like so what? Like it's just teenage drama. Like, who the hell cares? Like, but it feels like the end of the world at the time. So, and it it did it did, and it felt like it came so late for me because I was nineteen. I should be way more mature than that. Nineteen. But being nineteen, every nineteen year old's a fucking dumbass. It's true. Mm -hmm. It's it. I stamp that statement. Yeah. It's true. Um, but anyway, so what happened after that is that I I felt like my world crumbled. I couldn't believe that this person that was so close to me would ever be capable of doing that to me mm -hmm. um and emotionally this is gonna sound so weird but emotionally I feel like I am still recovering mm -hmm. from the break in my personality that that caused um so immediately my immediate response because it hurt me so deeply I didn't eat for like two months I just I would cry all day it was the end of my world and I emerged from that completely different emotionally in the sense that I believed now that everybody is a liar, that the world is shit, that my life is going to go absolutely terribly wrong in all of the ways that it possibly can. And which is the exact opposite of what I used to think before that, which was that my life was going to be a breeze. Um, and... I just, I decided, I remember the day, I remember where I was when I made this decision. I decided that I'm not going to let life do this to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking things into my own hands. Mm -hmm. And if anybody's going to be the liar, it's going to be me. And mm -hmm. if anyone is going to be the person getting the upper hand, it's going to be me. Now, of course, I'm not a sinister person. It didn't breed me into some psychopathic killer. But it just, you, that's the became the bedrock of all of my decisions from then on my decisions were no longer based on this good faith towards people or this good faith towards life it was based on the fear that at every single turn someone's going to try and screw me over whether it's a fictional someone whether it's a life personified someone or whatever it is someone's going to screw me over and I need to be tough and I need to take the uh, opportunities that I can to protect myself and to uh, make sure that I never get screwed over this way again. Mm -hmm. And so emotionally that has, 
absolutely affected my personality and I'm still trying to like I'm I'm way I'm miles you know beyond that now but I'm still trying to recover from that one break in my personality and that one decision that I made all those years ago it's Are you kind still, of, oh sorry Diana. Oh, I was just gonna say it's kind of like realizing that the only person that's gonna look out for you is you yeah you just kind of had that mm-hmm. realization and it was a harder realization than most people have but I was just gonna ask like you think you're sort of like trying to reconcile the pieces of your personality that were overly optimistic with the new pieces of your personality that were entirely pessimistic because when I view you from the outside I don't view you as a pessimistic person really mm-hmm. interesting um, I find you to be someone who's very realistic of often um, negative outcomes but I don't find you to be an overall pessimistic person in any way but that's how I view you that's good I mean I do try to you know not bum people out (laughs) when I'm talking to them um but like uh I was talking to my mom yesterday and my mom is she's she's quite something and she was trying to tell me to have more fun and to laugh more and to be more like I used to be to just enjoy life and that's something that I lost Mm -hmm. during that whole period of my life is the ability to the ability to deal with pain and still laugh about it Mm -hmm. because the pain was so deep that I was like, I'm never going through this again and I'm going to live my entire life in fear because of this. And, uh, so like there's, there's a lightness, right? There's a lightness of being when you're not hurt that badly. You know, when you're, when you're a kid, there's a lightness of being things are not that big a deal. You know, you're not terrified at every turn. You're not, um, terrified that you're going to not get a job or that this or that the person that you're dating is going to cheat on you or that like like all this stuff like it just it's not a thing and that lightness of being is what I lost and what I'm trying to get back is just looking at life and going you know what people are going to screw me over I am going to get hurt the people closest to me are going to hurt me that's a fact of life mm-hmm. now what am I going to do with that am I going to be a cynical depressed um and then, so, at the conclusion to that, it's something that I was, that it kind of came to me when I was ha- going for a walk one afternoon. I was pretty depressed. I went for a walk. And I realized that because of this whole tra- emotional trajectory that that event set me on, um, I decided I was going to isolate myself, that I didn't need anyone or anything. And what happens when you're in a vacuum? You start to consume yourself. Mm. You start, like, in, in that place when there's no one to... Uh, there's no one around there's no one for you to share anything emotional with there's no one for for you to share moments with or for you to share happiness and and bad times with you start to look further and further into yourself until you start hurting yourself Mm -hmm. like it just gets to a point where you're like there is nothing you can give yourself anymore so it just starts to like deteriorate and it's almost like you're eating yourself up Mm -hmm. because you're just so so secluded and you're just trying to get up into this tight 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 little bowl till you start becoming a black hole where like everything just disappears um that is way too abstract uh but anyway that's the feeling that I had where it's like okay so I got hurt and when I look back I don't even have any hard feelings towards these people at all like it's been years they're actually married now like it just I have no hard feelings but the event told me something about life that I couldn't get over mm-hmm. and and so now I'm on this trajectory of trying to get back to a place where 
no get out of the corner yes life's gonna hurt but you can do it like you can Mm -hmm. it's gonna be fine laugh just take it easy don't get depressed when you haven't left your room all day like it's gonna be okay just laugh just enjoy the fact that you have parents and that you have people Mm -hmm. around you and that you have friends and that you have family and that you went out for dinner last night like just enjoy it just you know does that make sense Mm -hmm. Yeah, that same, like, not same, but when I think about that sort of stuff is that, you know, I want to say almost every year of my life since I was professionally diagnosed with depression, I have had a cycle of a very, very deep and dark place that eventually comes out and I feel light and then I eventually go back. And um, over the last, like, week, I've done a lot of thinking about that because I very clearly and consciously can tell I did that this year that I went to a really scary place and then I came back out and now that I'm like out of it and sort of re-trying to pick up my pieces again and like understand that you know this is something that is is cyclical and I will probably have to deal with it for most Mm -hmm. if not all of my life is that this is something that happens to me but if I like I have found that, um, I know I've also talked about this in a pod episode, but I date someone who also has mental illness, and um, I think I would have a huge difficulty difficulty dating someone who wasn't mentally ill because I feel like they might not be able to understand me as well. But, like, Scott and I process things differently, and for me, like, when I focus on things that are, like, bad in the world or sometimes I put too much on understanding that bad things are going to happen to me, it makes me not want to try, and Mm -hmm. not wanting to try is what kills me every time. Yeah. Is that, like, if I sit there and think to myself, well, you know, every year of your life you're going to, like, want to, you're just going to end up in this place where you don't want to graduate or move or live or breathe and it will always end. I'll just never be able to focus on the fact that it's going to end. And I, like, feel like I have to remind myself that, like, there are, like, good, this is a little bit off top of, like, off of, like, what you said, but that emotional realization that took me several years of seeing a pattern of it, like, really has made me think about and pinpoint exact moments in my life that I greatly value or things I can do in life that are easy that make me want to keep going Mm -hmm. the guy I'm seeing so a couple things one the guy I'm seeing shout out if he's listening um (laughs) I was like going through something a week or two ago and I reached out to him for some advice and he texted me back and he said you'll live and at first I was like that is so incredibly insensitive I can't believe you said that to me he said, think about it, like, the what's the worst that could happen through this situation? At the very end of it, you will still be alive. And I was like, hmm, okay, that's a good point. And so I try and think about that when I'm having those moments of... Yeah, you'll still be alive. Like, it sounds super insensitive when you say it to someone, but I think that way about myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, you will still be alive. Like, it will happen, even if it goes, like, absolute fucking ass wire shit hailstorm. Yep. Like, you're still going to be alive, and, like, I think about... You'll probably still be breathing. Yeah, you'll probably still be breathing, and I think about, like, just the horrible way I used to treat my body, and I'm like, look at that shit now. Like, you are still alive, Mm -hmm. and that's what matters. Yeah. And, like, you you live for those moments of where you feel that lightness that you were talking about, and this is totally off topic, but I want to throw it in there because this was such a happy moment for me, because, like you said, with your depression... It goes in waves. Yeah. And with my eating disorder, it goes in waves. And I think the most free and unburdened I've ever felt from my eating disorder was, this is about to sound like the most pretentious story ever, mm-hmm. um, but it was a tail end of my study abroad experience and we were having a picnic in 
Paris underneath the freaking Eiffel Tower and it was the most perfect day and there was food everywhere and there was this giant loaf of bread in the middle and one of my things is that I used to be terrified to eat bread and I still have like an aversion yeah Yeah, I have problems with bread which is so weird to say I have problems with bread (laughs) um (laughs) but I reached for the loaf of bread and I was eating it and I just did not give a shit and I just remember I leaned back and I put my hands in the grass and I looked at the Eiffel Tower and I looked up at the sky and it was completely blue in my head I was like who gives a shit if my thighs touch and I have like that was peak most free from any sort of darkness I've ever felt Mm -hmm. from body insecurities and my eating disorder in my life um yeah and so that was a pivotal moment too yeah moments like that like you're like oh this is a pretentious story me you know I went to Colorado by myself Mm -hmm. for spring break uh and I was at the hike at the top of the the hike I was on in the Rocky Mountains and uh just was like wow if I killed myself, why I can't see the sun or the rocks or the trees, I can't hear, I can't see this, I can't drive my car for hours and look at all the hills in western Kansas. Yeah. Big moments like that where you're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I don't you know. realize life is good. Yeah. I think, like, life is terrible and everything is shitty, but ultimately I think life is good. There's sprinkles of good on top of the shitty frosting. Yeah. It's like a cupcake. So now we're going to talk about our highs and lows for this week. Um... Obviously, two of us have had very high highs with graduation. Um, so, who wants to go first? Yeah, I can go. Um, I know you guys are going to deviate a little from a time period, but I'm going to use these weeks around graduation. And definitely my um, highest high was not... <laughs> maybe may have been a bit influenced by the champagne that I drank before I walked down the hill on graduation. <laughs> day but um I walked down the hill and like in a line waiting for me were my two brothers my parents and Scott and all of them were cheering for me and I got to hug them all in a row and it made me feel like super loved like I haven't felt that loved in a really long time that like not only did my parents come to see me graduate that my little brothers like left whatever shit they're doing to come see me and support me and you know, two years ago, I watched Scott graduate, and it felt just as good to have him come back and see me graduate. Yes. That made me feel warm inside. <laughs> yeah, there were tears. Don't worry. <laughs> um, probably my low is maybe I, I feel like I'm in a cloud. Maybe not a specific low, but I feel like not a cloud. That's up high. What's something on the ground? Fog? Yeah. Nice. Heavy mist. A heavy, misty <laughs> fog. Because I feel like I'm out of my dark place, but I feel like it's, like, really, really wanting to take hold again because I feel so confused that I'm just sort of, like, mindlessly waiting. I feel that yeah. very much so. Brain fog kind of, too. Um, for me, my high and low were probably the same moment. And that moment spanned over a couple of hours, and it actually is graduation. So after graduation, um, a bunch of us stayed up literally all night and then went to the hill um, and watched the sunrise. There was maybe like 150 people there, but I knew all of them. Um, And I was there with the guy I'm seeing and all of my best friends were just sitting next to me and it was such an unreal moment. We watched the sunrise and then somehow at the exact same moment, we all kind of realized that that was the end. And I I looked around at my friends and I started crying And then we walked home, and within the next couple of hours, a bunch of them had to leave because, like you said, they were beginning their lives, they were starting their jobs. 
um, and saying goodbye to my best friends, especially the first goodbye I said was to Taylor. Um, and I just said goodbye to people throughout the day. And I said goodbye to one of my absolute best friends, Bert. Um, and then Kelsey and they all live, Bert lives in St. Louis, Taylor lives in Chicago and Kelsey lives in Minnesota. And saying goodbye to them was so soul crushing. It felt like I was mourning. I was mourning the loss of living with someone every single day and just being with their presence all the time. And just the four years of memories and changes I've gone through and made with these people. But it was also my happiest moment because, because it hurt. yeah, Yeah. Because it hurt so bad. I knew that I was saying goodbye to something that I cherished and loved and it's not necessarily over. It's going to be different. I'm not going to be living with them every day, but, um, they, I learned a lot about myself because of them. And so it was a high and a low simultaneously happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm, my moment is kind of like that too, more like in succession, succession, um, on Sunday, my boyfriend came over to our house, my dad grilled some meat, um, it was all good, uh, but my boyfriend works in the music industry, my mother has worked in the music industry her whole life, um, and my dad has kind of been involved at the business side of all of that, so inevitably the conversation went into a two-hour, three-hour discussion about music and who's hot and who's not hot in the physical sense, you know, like who's... Um, <laughs> like all this stuff and they kept talking about it and talking about it and with every passing minute I was starting to just get more and more and more depressed till the point that I went to the toilet and cried because um I feel like an enormous failure that I tried to do music for some years in my life and that I absolutely failed at it and that I gave up on it and that if I hadn't maybe you know I wouldn't be working an office job right now and maybe you know like all this stuff just streaming through my mind and what the hell Rebecca why couldn't you just do it like why do you have such low self-esteem and such confidence problems you could have just done it and so all these emotions just just coming and I'm very familiar with these emotions they're they're, they come up every time anyone talks about music and which is unfortunate because my boyfriend works in the music industry like I said um But then after that um, happened, my mom sat me down. She gave me this entire conversation trying to lift my spirits and it kind of worked. and And I realized looking back that I was creating a monster out of my past and that when I really looked back at my choices that I probably would have made them again because they were the the logical choices and the only ones that I could have made with my personality in that situation and with what I want for my life Mm -hmm. and so uh you know there's that scientific study that every time you recall a memory you change it slightly Mm -hmm. and then you change it slightly and change it slightly until it becomes this sort of ominous thing in the back of your head which actually never really happened all that happened was you made a a series of choices that often are the only choices you could have made in those situations bearing in mind who you are and what you want mm-hmm. um and so that was super freeing it was it was a high of the week to go yes i made those decisions and i'm not a failure and i'm not you know someone who's given up on everything i just made the correct choices that i had to make at that time in my life mm-hmm. and so that was really nice mm. it feels good it Don't does like- I like that though you talked about like that's I I think I, I forget that that when you do remember stuff sometimes your brain changes it on you because your brain's a bitch yeah <laughs> well that's the moral of this entire podcast your brain's a 
hate. Your brain's a bitch. But, you know, that's, I, you know, what you said might make me on the ride home sort of think about how I've thought back in times in my life and regretted how I did it. But then, you know, realizing that maybe that was the only logical decision you ever would have made at that time. Yeah. Not only that, but you probably wouldn't, this whole, that's what this whole podcast is about. You probably wouldn't be the person you are today if you hadn't made that choice. Yeah, exactly. As menial as it may be. Exactly. Exactly.